Hey guys, before we get started, we've stumbled upon an extra copy of Street Fighter V Arcade Edition thanks to a user named War Crimes, and we're giving it away to one of our podcast listeners. Now, if you don't have Street Fighter V, or maybe you just want to share the magic of fighting games with a friend, or quite possibly you just feel like flipping it for a few extra bucks, this copy of Arcade Edition could be yours. To enter our giveaway, simply follow Catalyst or myself on Twitter, now that's CatalystEH or Velociraptor with a 1 instead of the I, and tweet us with hashtag EventHubsGiveaway to put your name in the drawing. If you follow us both, you'll be entered twice. This contest is going to be open for two weeks and is limited to the United States only. You can read detailed rules in our article about this episode on EventHubs proper. Good luck to all who enter, and now, on with the show. G continues to polarize fans of Street Fighter V, so we take a look at why this character is evoking such emotional responses from the community. Plus, Dragon Ball Fighter seems to be doing okay, but could use a little tidying up in a few different avenues. Chris T shares his Season 4 Ken matchup chart, Armika has had the input lag ripped out from under her, recent tournaments have had some surprising results, and more on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. Perfect. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. How's it going, guys? All right, we're going to get right into this here and talk about Capcom doing a little bit of a teaser announcement here with uh, kind of like an arcade collection or something of the, of the matter. Uh, and by the time you guys hear this, we're recording here late Monday night. Um, you know, it, it, it's supposedly basically an arcade collection with a joystick is what we're hearing about uh, is the rumor. Um and just to kind of get into this a little bit more, because they use the phrasing that, you know, a new challenger is on the way. And immediately people people's minds went to Street Fighter V, right? Like where where else would your mind go? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's fine that they use that as their marketing thing. That's a, that's a classic Capcom phrase, and they can use it for whatever they want to. That's not an issue. But I, I just want to go back to things kind of going dark here after Ono communicated, which isn't too big of a shock to me. Um, but... I'm wondering kind of when, and I, I've been thinking it over in my head, and again, I, I still go back to, I think it's going to be the summertime here, probably around June, as soon as is my guess, before we actually hear anything more about Street Fighter V. And just seeing the response that we did today about the teaser, you know, about the, the new challenger coming in, like that, the response was explosive. There were hundreds of people looking at the story. I'm sure it's going to be in the tens of thousands or whatever, you know, by the time we, we go back and, and look at the stats the next day. Um, people are really desperate for content right now. Yeah. Um, uh, if they just people just flocked this, even though it was just like kind of an insinuation of there could be something more. And again, it, it's probably just a classic games collection. I think it's pretty clear from the teaser, um, but it just shows the audience is there. They're waiting. They've not gone away. They just want to see more content from the franchise that they love. We're, we're in a kind of a weird place right now because there was the entire period after Capcom Cup where all that we were thinking about as the, as the Street Fighter community was when's the next DLC character, when's the information about them. And we slowly but surely sort of weaned ourselves off of that and just don't have those expectations anymore when it comes fine. But a lot of the attention has been shifted over to what's happening with the Pro Tour and uh, how are things playing out in the competitive scene and, and looking at the game that we have now in front of us. But a little tiny something like this pops up where it might be. It's here comes a new challenger and you can just see how thirsty the community still sort of is for this new character for content. 
and and I'm in the same camp as you. I I I saw it and I go a new challenger. Oh my gosh, it's it's finally coming. And at first, I think it was first posted on the Street Fighter. Uh, Facebook account, which mm-hmm. their their logo is like the Street Fighter Five logo, and so you immediately associate it with Street Fighter Five. But it does very much. They they featured, I think it was Alien versus Predator, the arcade game, and yeah. some of the old Street Fighter games like CVS or or um, Darkstalkers. Um, yeah, it was in Darkstar. Okay, yeah. and Honda was like part of it, like a very vivid <laughs> image, of, like because of course, right? Right. Uh, but at the end of the day, it does look like this is all that's probably coming out, and um. And, but but it does show that people are very, very ready. Yeah, well, um, speaking of people being ready, uh, they're really ready for Mortal Kombat 11, which actually has early copies out in the wild right now. Um, <laughs> and this usually happens with AAA games. It's rare that you see a street date not broken. Um, I do advise for people out there who do want to get their hands on the game early, hey, you know, this is a reality in our community. We love these games like just nothing else right check your mom and pop stores in your area um they might have something you're looking for uh it's really rare for major retailers to break the date on this like a walmart or a target or whatever uh because their registers or cash registers will actually not let you sell the game um early that like they have a street date on them so you really can't go there even if they have it and get them usually um so I'm not actually sure how big of a deal this is for the developers of these games. I mean, I'm sure it's a thing, but they're still getting their games sold, right? Uh, it can mess with their marketing plans a little bit to have it out like a week or two early. You know, I know there's more plans for NRS to do stuff, but I don't think it's completely breaking the bank for them, right? Um, so it, it, I don't think it's a nothing factor, but it's just there's usually very little left. And, you know, we're trying to avoid spoilers here and not go into it, but that's kind of what I'm seeing. Yeah, the last minute reveals, if any, were planned, and there probably were leading up because NRS has been so abundant with their showcasings and their reveals. It's been fairly regular that we get new characters, new information, this is and that's. They've had a lot of communication with the with the fans. And actually, just um, maybe it was like two hours ago, NRS posted footage of Shao Kahn as uh, but just his introduction against Katana, so the pre-fight intro. But that's the first we've seen of the character outside of the little. A series that we see on virtually every other reveal of Shao Kahn being DLC for the game, and he sits in his chair and kind of grins at you. And we're we're seeing um, our first glimpses of him. I wonder if um, if we're gonna see more content kind of hurried now that, like you say, the game is out in the wild and people could be posting, um, you know, whatever information is there upon release date. It's frankly amazing that. It's been this long before we've gotten this much of a concrete sort of leak, or at least this mm-hmm. kind of potential, right? So, um, yeah, I don't think it's really going to do too much to hurt NRS, especially this late in the game. So we might see some hurried actions by them to you know, communicate the content before it's leaked out by other sources. But even if they don't, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got to be damn hyped for this game. It's incredible. Uh, it looks fantastic. Uh, they're doing. Uh, I don't want to put this burden on their on their heads. You know, play. Bear with me here. But they look like they're doing a lot of things correct. I was going to say everything, but a lot of things very <laughs> very well. Um, and it's just great. It's great to see that in 2019, here is our state for fighting games. They're shipping in in a terrific fashion. Um, you know, this the last game in the series sold almost like 11 million copies. That's amazing. I, mm. I can't be more hyped for these guys. And that's great. And, and so, you know, let's just, you know, sit back and wait for it. But I don't think it's going to be a big, you know, big deal for them. Can I say that as far as Mortal Kombat content over the last week, 
we've talked before on this podcast about fatalities and how gruesome they tend to be. And if people, if they're pushing the envelope a little too much, where they're going to start to hurt their crowd of people that would otherwise play the game. And I, for one, have always enjoyed fatalities. I don't think that they've been pushed too far at all, even here in Mortal Kombat 11, as real as it looks. Uh, but there was the first fatality that kind of made my skin crawl in, a, in an mm. uncomfortable way. Uh, showcase just this last week when they showed off Devora. I won't get into the particulars of what exactly happens, but I will say it involves <laughs> maggots, <laughs> spider, and then gratuitous amounts of gore. So the combination yeah, even, there is Even as some... is, we might have to go back and edit that out of the podcast because that was pretty <laughs> rough. But anyway. <laughs> it's great. So really looking forward to this game. And again, to tie it back all together, I don't think that it being out right now in, in some places, I think Spain was, was the first we're seeing of it, um, is going to have much effect on whether or not people end up getting it or, or being hyped for it. Mm. So next up here, we have um, Cyclops Gaming, which is based with um, Goichi, Dogura, and Fenrich, uh, two top, and or three, I should say, incredibly top in Dragon Ball Fighters players. And they put out a tier list here for the most recent patch uh, for Dragon Ball Fighters, and they've got Bardock um, clear up at the top again, pretty much like he's kind of like neck and neck here with Adult Gohan and, um, and Kid Buu. And I wanted to chime in on this and just kind of say I'm a bit upset with, with where the game has been at the fact that these characters are still kind of up there at the top, like adult Gohan. Sure. Like, you know, he, he dropped down, you know, previously and now he's back mm-hmm. up there. That's fine. But Bardock, like really? And, and Kid Buu again, like these guys have been up there. Uh, Gotenks is still up there. Um, looking at the tournament that we had here at April Annihilation, um, we saw like some Android 21s in there. Uh, Team Gohan is back now. Um, you're seeing, you know, a few other characters kind of appear that have maybe been a little bit off the radar, which is good. I'm happy with that. But again, when you have Bardock, that is just like this dominant force and, and on so many teams, I just don't get why you keep him up there and, and make him kind of like a de facto standard on like, I don't know what, like 50, 50% of teams, I, I think have a Bardock on there. And it's it just, to me, it's ridiculous when you know that that is that much of an issue. Like you have have to chop the character's legs out a little bit there and just make it where instead of 50% of teams, he's like 20%. That's still a lot, but it's not like incredibly dominant. It's interesting. You spoke to this sort of effect. I think it was in the last or the second to last podcast where we were talking about Street Fighter V's tiers and how you would like to see the top tiers get shaken up a bit, have other characters get their time in the limelight. And looking over fighting game history, it's usual to see one or two characters or or whatever, the top tier characters, be at the top and kind of float around there for the majority of a game's life. Sometimes one or two will fall off drastically. Sometimes someone else will really jump to the top. But I feel that over like the last 30 years of fighting games, usually the top tiers sit pretty close to, there isn't a ton of movement. Now, flash forward to this current era where patches and balance are really a thing. And yes, I think that what you're talking about, how you can potentially cycle for the sake of esports viewership and keeping things interesting, for the sake of just general competition and having a fresh look at the game because we're able to give it that fresh coat of paint so often now and so frequently, I I would imagine that this is a conversation that that is had maybe in a in a little while from now, but it's it's interesting that it's already apparent at least to you that this kind of a thing should be the standard moving forward that there should be different characters at the top and we should keep things con- consistently fresh but I do think you're a bit ahead of your time. Yeah. Uh, I mean it's I've been doing this a long time and 
it's just nice to have variety. It opens up so much for us. And, and again, I, I want to be very careful and say I don't expect Bardock to be obliterated, right? Same thing with like, you know, um, Cell previously in here and a few other characters. We just need them knocked down enough where they're not dominating teams, where we get to see variety because... I mean, why are you designing characters at a certain point if they're never played, right? Like, I mean, how little have we seen of Falk? And, and I mean, we did see an Ed player here at April Annihilation. It actually did very well. Um, uh, get wrecked, uh, what's his name? Uh, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, but I mean, and, and again, I, I want to be careful about calling these guys out too much here because we did see more Jiren, uh, Cooler. Uh, I mentioned Android 21 and Brawly. Like, um, they were all at, at, at April Annihilation and had good presences um, like during the stream time and all that. Like, I'm very happy about that. So I want to be careful here and, and and not say, hey, it's all negative, and you know, why are these guys doing it? You know, there's a lot of positive here. It's just they're not going far enough. And, and when you've seen the last five teams, you know, you're watching have Bardock on them. You're like, okay, I get it. I've seen this. People are having to do amazing stuff to stand out from the crowd at that point. And, and you're really losing people as a spectator sport at that point because you're just seeing the same thing over and over and over again. And, and it's just it's not good for the games. And that's a little compounded by the fact that supers in this game take a minute, you know, to happen. Mm -hmm. And you see Bardock's level three super so often that that absolutely is going to get grueling. Now, I should let the people know that you are, while Majin Ten Shinhan is on vacation in Japan, covering all of our tournaments. So you are watching hours upon hours upon hours of stream. I think this is going to affect you particularly bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yes. but I mean, that's also one of the people to ask is mm -hmm. the person that's sitting here watching all these for so long. So that does make sense. Now, now, to what degree would you say that this is kind of a bad look for Dragon Ball fighters in the grand scheme of things? Like, how much are people going to be picking up on this versus how much is it something that you are just picking up on because you're watching 13 hours of stream every day? You see, it's pretty subconscious um, for a lot of people, I think, when you're seeing Rashid, let's say, in Street Fighter V over and over and over again. You may not know how to necessarily like point that out and say man I've seen Rashid a lot like is this an issue like you know you probably would know that now because we've talked about him like ad nauseum here on the pod a sure. lot but if you're just kind of casually observing stuff and you see the same things over and over again you're going to get tired of that pretty quickly um, in terms of how big of a deal it is I'm struggling to articulate myself in a way that like it's it's not a huge deal right you're you're basically taking someone's experience and you're you're knocking it down from what it could be and and you want to maximize people's experiences as much as possible with these games um, from a spectator standpoint and from, you know, a playing standpoint, right? Uh, and and so it's just not ideal is the best way I would put it. It's not going to kill the game. Uh, it's not going to destroy it because we've had this happen, as you pointed out, very well uh, throughout the, you know, the fighting game history, right? This is a common thing. It's just, you know, we're here in 2019. We can do it. We, we have more information to work with than we've ever had before. Uh, the tournament scene is more lively and vibrant than it ever has been. Um, take that information and, and bring it back to your, you know, developers and say, hey, look, what can we do here? here you know what can we do here to kind of set the stage a little bit more and make it more of an even platform so one of the reasons why i ask how you feel this is potentially going to affect people um is, is specifically because i'm trying to get an idea of where dragon ball fighters as a game stands with its community and with oh, um, spectators right now oh, because it, well, last year it came out and it was a godsend on so mm -hmm. many levels. It looked beautiful. It was the fighting game that people wanted. It uh, it was the fighting game that Dragon Ball Fighter or Dragon Ball Z people wanted, and it was the uh, the Dragon Ball Z game that fighting game players wanted. And it could almost do no wrong. And in a lot of ways, it was extremely successful, and all of that praise was warranted. 
And then it had like the most viewers and the most entrants at Evo. It was 20, 2018 was really in a lot of ways Dragon Ball Fighters year, and that was deserved. Mm-hmm. So now we do the transition into 2019. The end of the year happens, and um, things fall off a little bit. It, I'd rather I say I should say slow down a little bit because it's going to happen, right? I mean, you can only be the fresh new game for so long, and people are going to get a little bit, you know, just acclimated. And, it, and it's had a few issues here and there. But we've also had plenty of successes with the announcements of new patches, and mm-hmm. and and you also have uh, Kid Goku on the way, and and who isn't excited for yet another Goku? <laughs> uh, but no, there's been a lot of good, but but there have certainly been more naysayers. Uh, like when a game slows down, you're also going to get a whole bunch of games dead, games dead, all that kind of stuff, and that's of course way overdoing it. But there's probably little elements of truth to that, and so I'm wondering where this game stands in the community. I right now now what you just brought up is potentially something that's wearing on people even if they're not necessarily uh, conscious of it in the last week or so we've seen two pretty significant game breaking glitches emerge out of this game from a recent patch Mm -hmm. one of which is similar to what was called the ginyu glitch where basically captain ginyu could get two supers out of one bar of meter now it's more than just captain ginyu that can do that and that also applies to how I understand it, you can do the same thing with a level three. So essentially what it means is if you have one bar of meter, um, at least certain characters can activate their super and then call in another character who also uses their super and they're only charged a single bar of meter for doing so. That's, uh, of course, immediately something that's way too good, uh, especially if pros are incorporating that into gameplay that kind of nullifies you know, the competition right off the bat. So that's something that's going to need to be attended to. And then more recently, we have what's being compared to the handcuff glitch from Street Fighter 2, where Guile would essentially get you into this. It looked like you just had been like thrown or hit in the air and you're frozen in that state and you're like magically handcuffed to him where you just float next to him wherever he goes and neither character can hit the other one. That sort of happens in Dragon Ball Fighters. At least three characters, Zamasu, Super Saiyan Goku, and then Blue Goku, can all basically put you into this like hit-stun sort of animation where you follow them, but they can still hit you. And that, of course, is going to be game-breaking as well. And so, man, back-to-back glitches, and then with people talking a little bit about how the game is slowing down, is this starting to... Uh, accumulate in the like non-favorable side of the of the scale for Dragon Ball Fighters. The, do they really need a home run here pretty soon to keep in in good favor? Because we know how important it is to stay in the good favor and be charismatic in the eyes of the community. Oh boy! So I I'm gonna have a blazing hot take here, and and I'll just flat out say that the moment a new Marvel versus Capcom is announced, this game is obliterated and gone. This game serves a huge need in the community for a 3v3 format that is pretty Marvel-esque, right? And, and sure. I, I think this is a terrific game. I, I literally think this is one of the best things that Bandai Namco Arxis has ever done. I, I think it is a phenomenally great game. But looking at the tournament attendance, looking at the fervor and the community and all that kind of stuff, as you mentioned, I watch a lot of tournaments. Uh, I think Majin Tension Hand is number one on the planet for watching tournaments. Uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly where I'm at and that uh, that grade, but I watch a lot. I watch uh, last, just uh, on Sunday here, I was watching tournaments for 13 hours, just to give people an idea. And that's, you know, um, anyway, what, that's whatever it is, but I watch a lot uh, to try to keep up with what's going on. And uh, yeah, Dragon Ball Fighters is up there, and it, it does okay, but it does not have the spark, the um, 
just that that gusto that that intense feeling that a marvel versus capcom game does and i wish it did it would be great if it did but that's just not there for the game uh it, it, it had a huge spark you know to, to begin with and now that that is starting to fade fair enough it'll be interesting to see how this narrative plays out but you just put everyone on the edge of their seats with that statement i think <laughs> yeah um and maybe i'll be proven wrong but we're going to have to stay tuned here to the uh, the summertime. Uh, not only could summertime bring some Street Fighter V content, but maybe some other content that's, you know, maybe lurking here from Capcom. Uh, we know something is, is is brewing from them one way or the other, and I'll leave it at that. So uh, getting into uh, actually April Annihilation again. Um, I actually, uh, on the last pod here, I called Chun-Li the most underrated character, and then three of them made top eight. Because, of course, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and again, it was actually really cool to see. Um, this was a little bit of an underwhelming event. It's a CPT ranking event. Um, but I think a number of players that you'd expect to be stronger kind of didn't put their best feet forward, you know, in terms of their performance. Um, it kind of felt like a little bit of a training ground for bigger events uh, for the top players. Like, hey, you know, I'm going to show up and play, but I'm maybe not going. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, but I think Problem X played very well. Um, I think he tried to get the points. And I mean, he ended up winning the event, right? But he actually lost early in polls to Ludovic's Chun. Uh, then he came storming all the way back from losers to win the event. Uh, he actually ran into Punk. I think it was like the fifth or seventh place match. Uh, um, I forget seventh exactly. Seventh place match. There yeah. it is. And, and Punk was uh, quoted as saying, I'm going to play Colleen the entire way through. He goes down 0-2 to Problem X. And he's like, all right, here's, uh, here's Karen. And then he comes storming back and almost wins and wins a set. And it's like, yeah, if he's playing Karen the whole way through, he probably wins and goes on to win the tournament if he plays Karen. Uh, but he didn't want to do that. You know, Justin Wong wasn't able to show up. It looks like Knuckle Dew is in a little bit of a character character crisis at this moment in time because he was bouncing back between four different characters um not all four of them like with you know even usage but like it was kind of crazy seeing him pull out a g uh lose immediately (laughs) switch right off of him uh it looked like he's kind of maining cami from all the matches that i I saw like that was his number one thing mika seemed to be secondary and then guile like he barely kind of pulled out and like i think he lost with him and just kind of like never played him again again it's a tournament you don't get to see every match from every player but there's a lot of interesting stuff going going on here right now and you know with it being april i kind of feel like people are preparing for a very long cpt and trying to get their stuff in order and maybe you know some of the meta of the game and the character you know usage and all that kind of stuff like it's still being very much figured out so when you say that um, this is sort of uh, not as i guess like not as hot as the premier events and not as maybe competitive from the competitive players points of view you brought up how Punk was using Colleen for almost the entire thing. It sounds like more of like a testing ground for, well, let's see how my character that I've been working on uh, does here in, in the in the thick of things. Knuckle do seemingly in something of a character crisis mm-hmm. and, um, and testing out and seeing what happens when you throw this stone in the pond versus when you throw this stone, as opposed to a place with higher stakes where you've got, you know, NCR and final round before that, these premier events with everybody and their mother there and, and a lot of points on the line. So that, that's interesting to me, though, that you'd still think that, well, I can just mop up here and, and take these, you know, 200 or however many points yeah. it is. For... Yeah, it's 200 for first place. It's, that's a good amount of points. And you get 700 for a premiere if you win that, right? But I mean, that's not, in the grand scheme of things for the, the CPT standings, 200 points is a big deal. 
The other side of this is that maybe players are just that. It, maybe the competition is just that steep nowadays, mm-hmm. especially with the with the shuffling of of tiers a bit from this recent patch. Maybe other players that you know played characters like Chun Li, for example, are finally getting their chance to shine, and it's a little bit easier for them compared to how it used to be, and a little bit harder for for especially players like Knuckledo, who's using like primarily Cami and Guile. Both of those characters getting some significant nerfs this time around, and uh, and and just like a, a resettling of the competitive scene because of those changes. Maybe that's what we're seeing right now too. I, I wouldn't rule that out quite yet. Yeah, I mean, it, to me the the Chun Li stuff was really fascinating with uh, Ricky Ortiz, Ludovic, and then Terrence. Uh, Terrence, who I, I think, uh, and no offense to the other Chun Li players, is the premier uh, number one Chun Li player right now outside outside of MOV. Uh, MOV is still probably number one, but he's probably second. Um, and then of course you know he got second at the event. It's it's interesting seeing these these characters come up and, and I actually was wrong here. Get Wrecked actually got ninth place. I, I said out of the top sixteen before, actually got ninth overall. And and so mm-hmm. a, as you mentioned here, we are seeing a little bit more variety. You know, we're seeing um, uh, there was a Kagi player who got uh, top sixteen. Uh, Rage O uh, is his name, and it, it's interesting seeing other characters shine. But also, you do kind of wonder, was it because it. Yeah, yeah, was it not as competitive as, as some other events, and that's why you're seeing characters that like like Ed or like Kage yeah. this high up on the list? Like that's definitely that's probably that's the most likely response. But it is possible that it's just that things have shuffled around a bit, and that those that were playing these top tiers are not having as easy of a time, and they're really realizing that right now through these results. And you know, and I would argue like why can't both things be true, right? Like maybe yeah, it's it's not the same level of, of competition as a premiere, but also like you know things have gotten shaken, shaken up enough, I should say, that you're seeing a good amount of variety here in these tournaments. And, and overall, this except for the top eight portion, which was a little bit like I said, uh, watered down again because it didn't seem like everyone was maybe trying their hardest uh, in in some respects. Um, uh, you are seeing uh, you know quite a bit of, of variety here, and you know just more opportunities and more uh, times for other characters to shine. So yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, there was another event uh, that was not a Capcom Pro Tour, but it was put on by Capcom, and this was actually wasn't even over the weekend. I believe it was on Thursday, but the Street Fighter League for North America kicked off, and I don't think that we really knew what to expect exactly from this because one we didn't have a ton of information i didn't even find out what time the whole thing started until the day of so (laughs) there was that but we knew that there would be a draft and we knew that we had like the six team captains that had qualified via points on the north american leaderboard from last capcom pro tour season and that they would be selecting from 12 people that had qualified, six from online events, and then six from uh, community votes. And they would be forming teams of three, and those teams had to all have one captain, one community voted player, and then one online warrior player on them. And so outside of that, we're like, okay, well, we know who's going to be there, but how is this going to go down? The other big part of it is that it will feature character bans, although that did not come into effect during this inaugural episode of, of this series, of, of the season for this Street Fighter League. But I will say that I, I sat and I covered it and watched the whole thing, and it was intriguing. Uh, it wasn't perfect, but there were I, it had my attention. I wanted to see what would happen throughout this, and this was really just the drafting phase. Now, they did incorporate actual matches because how they did it was they gave their first captain, who I believe was Knuckledew, they let him choose two players out of the pool of players to face off. And then that was just an opportunity for them to showcase what they had. Now, the winner didn't necessarily get drafted by Knuckledew. He was able to choose 
either of the two players regardless of the result of that one match but a big part of this was exploring well it's not only the the strategy for what's going to come next you know for when the league actually kicks off and the competition actually starts is how do you do with your main character how do you do when your main character gets banned who do you have in your pocket and that added an entire other level to this that uh, was you know obviously there once we heard about bands being a part of this in the first place but it gave it a new sense of life and a new sense of immediacy and we go oh yeah that's a thing we really have to think about this and and just because punk is on the other team and has you know a, a, a really good karen you might ban karen and then what happens then maybe all of a sudden someone that would never stand a chance against punk stands a real good chance because this secondary character doesn't do well against the other player's character something like that but it really adds another layer of depth into this and it, and it makes me wonder how is this going to play out because it, as the teams were formed you really couldn't go, oh, this team has so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. They're going to win for sure because things are mixed up. And it, it may be a, a real big success. It may be a flop. We'll see. But it grabbed my attention, and, and I'm, I'm excited for episode two. Yeah, um, we were all very skeptical about this when we first heard about character bands, right? And and again, it's we did say, hey, let's see how this plays out. But you said it was you know hype and good. I, I tuned in for a little bit of it and got to see what they're doing. I'm like, hey, this is fresh. It's it's new. It's not you know we already have the Capcom Pro Tour and and we already have all the ranking events and all that kind of stuff. We we've got that. We don't need more of it necessarily, right? Um, a new spin and a new angle could be something special. It looks like this is working out. I, I maybe not call it special just yet. You know got to get a little further down the line here, but it's something different. It's fresh, you know, and it's worth watching. And, and I, I was happy with, you know, checking out the first bit of it. I want to see more of the competition parts, but I, yeah, it was cool. You know, another uh, big thing that was able to emerge because of the format was you got to see the players that had personality get a chance to really showcase that personality. Um, the, the shining example from the first episode was, of course, Rob TV, who was on the e-league street fighter reality tv thing from i think it was last year and um and when he played like he was called up to play i think more than anyone else and i don't think he won a single time now he didn't usually play like he he played a couple of different characters because uh, like i said a big part of this was to showcase the other characters that you have to show why you are a an asset especially in this ban atmosphere um, and but he was up there and the commentators, which everyone like the commentators were broadcast live there in the studio. So everyone could hear them were kind of not ribbing him, but but definitely like commentating about, you know, his play and the mistakes that he might be making. And Rob was interacting with them. He was getting, uh, you know, especially hype when things happened. He was, you know, oh, I want my I want my run back, you know, against so and so El Chakote or whomever. I don't remember the specifics of it all. But you were you were immediately drawn to like what's going to happen happen with this player as a character in this show and and so that's another avenue that shows some decent promise for those that will you know kind of come out of their skin you have a, a personality like brian f there who has been very much leveling up in the way of you know like playing the crowds you see a lot of his twitter you know uh, uh, just persona building talking about the dumpster and then chipotle and things along those lines right. we're getting a lot of personality out of these good. players yeah. and this is a good place for that mm -hmm. yeah it, it's nice to see and i mean it 
it's so much better when there's a storyline, right? Like sometimes the storyline is developed from, you know, the play, like the Justin Wong Daigo Evo 37 moment, right? Um, mm-hmm. And But also keep in mind that Justin and Daigo had some barbs that they threw at each other over the years. And I, I think they're, you know, they're friends. They're, they're definitely not, you know, they don't hate each other or anything like that. But they definitely threw some shade at each other over the years. And that kind of helped build that rivalry up even further. And and so it's, it's rarely just entirely... Um, what happens in game that defines everything, right? And you don't have to Absolutely. look any farther than wrestling, you know, um, and, and to find a really great example of how storylines and narratives and all that kind of build up the hype and make things more fun and interesting. And I will say, just to kind of cap it, this is much better as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, than the Street Fighter, like the the E-League reality show setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to see this, this in reality show. That's too far from from the truth too far from reality but this seems to be a pretty good halfway point between the two yeah uh, so another tournament actually that happened this last weekend is 2gg prime saga uh, which is a smash ultimate tournament and if you've never watched a 2gg series event you owe it to yourself to do so uh production qualities through the roof competitions amazing even if you don't like Smash Ultimate for some reason, and, and it's an incredible game, uh, watch one of these tournaments because of just the way it's ran. It is so amazing. I love the team behind this. They are so damn good. Uh, but we had uh, a Saga event here, this last one, and, and uh, you know called Prime based on Metroid primarily. I uh, had a lot of you know kind of Metroid-type thingies, and uh, the font was almost unreadable because it was in a Metroid-type font. <laughs> so you had a little, not unreadable, but it was, it was hard to read some of the, the players' names. But the action was great uh you had t playing pac-man um who's regarded as you know not that great of a character in this you're starting to see the character shine a little bit and then you also had a bunch of players uh playing king ddd and he is generally regarded as low tier maybe i've seen a few people had him as like mid-tier basically and it, it was just special seeing not highly regarded characters making a nice impact at the saga. And, and uh, King DDD had four people using him in the top 128, uh, which was tied overall for the seventh most used character at that tournament. And, and it's like, oh, it's like, this is special. Like, this is, okay, this game has not been out that long. Uh, you know, they've got a huge, huge, gigantic roster. Uh, people don't know a lot about the game just yet. You know, like, they're, they're, Okay, they know a good bit about the game, but there's still a lot more to learn. That's a better way of saying it. And it's just, it's a reminder of the beauty that is fighting games, of how often you can find these under-the-radar characters, and they make a big splash at a tournament, a huge major. Um, And then, of course, uh, hey, Smash community, love you guys, you're amazing. Welcome to Japan kicking your butts, uh, because Shutan (laughs) and Zachary got first and second. Uh, They've been doing that in the FGC proper for the last, I don't know, like, you know, 25 years or whatever we've had to deal with this. So uh, welcome to the the stuff we've had to deal with. But yeah, it, it was a great tournament. Uh, even, you know, with watching April Annihilation, I still tried to get in as much as I could. A lot of variety, you know, just tons of great action. Um, again, you owe it to yourself to watch this if you get a chance to. Really happy to hear that that's that Smash Ultimate continues to have it going for it. You know, after that initial hype of, of the game releasing, um, it dies down a little bit. Even in the competitive scene, I shouldn't say even, but in the competitive scene, it's continuing to thrive and see new successes. And man, like the sky is the limit for this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very much so. All right. So speaking of of sky is a limit, uh, we've got a character here who is um, about as divided, uh, divisive as as possible right now in Street Fighter V. And that would be G. And we had MDZ uh, Jimmy, um, uh, Adaptive Tricker did a story about him. 
And one of the quotes here I'm going to read uh, here is from him, from Jimmy. And he says, the design of G is actually so messed up. It is actually the embodiment of everything that is wrong with Street Fighter V. Mm-hmm. And that statement really struck me as like, ooh, wow, this guy does not like this character in the slightest. And I know you're not a huge fan of the character as well. Um, it was just like, wow, this guy's sparking a lot of emotion. But but I'm sure you saw the piece. I'm, I know you've had more time with G. You actually uh, won your grand finals against a G player here not that not long ago. It came down to an overhead. Uh, the clip is up on Twitter. If you guys can you know, go spot it on John's uh, Twitter account. Um, how are you feeling right now again uh, this week? So looking at Jimmy's video where he basically rants about G and tries to point out everything that he sees um, is wrong with the character, first and foremost, you're a content creator. You're probably going to church it up a little bit because you want to get a little more views. So statements like the one that you just came out with, were that's fairly heavy. But I think that if you're going to make that statement, you really got to go behind it and give the specific why and the detail because there's that that's a very loaded statement, right? From I, I watched most of, of Jimmy's video and he essentially goes through G's strengths and I don't think that anyone's really arguing that the character has pretty damn good offense. Like it's it's mm-hmm. great. I'm actually in the middle, I'm finishing up an article. I don't know if the podcast or the article will end up going up first, but um, I'm exploring specifically what it is about G that seems to be uh, taking an emotional toll on people because there are plenty of characters. I, like, I don't think G is the best character in the game, and I don't think a lot of people think that he is, but yet he's the one that we're talking about uh, when there's still you know Rashid and Akuma and, and Karen and, and others that are, I think, more clearly up at the top. So I don't think it's a matter of him breaking the game, and yet he's still the one that's being highlighted. And I think the reason for that is because more often than with other characters at this point in Street Fighter V's life, when you finish a match with G against him, I should say, specifically online, uh, there is a lot of negative emotion. Mm -hmm. There's a big chance for negative emotion. The feeling of being robbed is very easily there because of the way the character works. And I think that just human nature, we're going to react to that feeling and we're going to take it and we're going to dump it on social media as an outlet uh, as quickly as we possibly can. And it's going to be flared up a lot larger than where the underlying problem actually is, Mm. if that makes sense. So you're hearing a lot of people react, and myself included, to to this character thinking, man, he's just he's stupid and he he does a lot of brain dead stuff and he gets way too much risk reward. And so I sat down with this article and I'm trying to figure out, well, how much of this is over flaring emotional reaction versus how much of it is actually rooted in stuff that we should be concerned about. I stand by what I've said before that I I don't think G is breaking the game, but I do think that he is sapping some of the fun out of it. And so to fix whatever it is that is wrong with him, however much that ends up being, would be good, but I don't think it's an absolute necessity for people to enjoy Street Fighter V. Mm -hmm. So all of this is under that banner of, hey, if we want to make it a little nicer, we could, but if we don't do anything, it's like it's not the end of the world. Mm-hmm. What I kind of get at is you look at G and you look at like, well, why do people feel emotionally upset? And I think the reason for that is because they feel, like I said, robbed or or like there is an injustice. Well, where does that come from in fighting games? That usually comes from when your opponent does something and you can't see their intent 
and you go, well, maybe they did that just because or because it's a catch-all and it happened to convert into their winning, but they didn't earn it, right? They just kind of did it. And that was the case a lot of times with like robbery characters of season two, right? Balrog and, and Urien and such, uh, Abigail, and, and we feel like way uh, it's pretty much about Rashid <laughs> a, a lot of times. And earlier I mentioned that there are other characters that seem to be better than G and we're not freaking out about them. I think a big part of that is we've already kind of freaked out about them, mm-hmm. like if, if in the case of like Rashid, and we've kind of settled on, well, this is what we have and we'll, we'll just kind of take it. And yeah, it's going to suck sometimes, but I don't have anything new to say so fine and then others like Karen and, and I dare say Akuma who has some dumb stuff but uh, you feel like a lot of times when those characters beat you it's because they did so with intent like the, the other player figured you out and they did the right thing with and, the um, exception of Rashid but yes yeah exactly so Rashid would be more on the other side but we've already said our piece about him right. and we're in a place where he's at least digestible I guess <laughs> but G is the, the hot new thing that's kind of doing this and invoking these emotional reactions and so I kind of took like four different levels with this character or four different examples I should say the first one of these is probably the most obvious and that's the fact that he can just throw out an EX low rush punch at any time it's a low it's pretty damn fast and if he hits it it translates into what I'm calling the business which essentially just means he gets like 200 to you know, 300 damage and then a lot more if we're talking about you know using V trigger I mean I'm sorry using um, critical art but two to 300 damage or so is usually the average and corner carry and Oki so whenever I say the business I'm talking about damage corner carry Oki he gets that off of this low rush but it's very apparent that the low rush is is virtually no different than Vega or Bison's sweep. You know, the sliding move that, that comes out pretty quick. It hits low. You got to be ready for it. But it's also very punishable, right? And so you hear someone complaining about Vega or Bison's slide and you go, oh, this person just doesn't know what they're doing yet. Mm-hmm. And you kind of chalk it up to that and that's it. And I believe that, uh, you know, G's, G's move that we're talking about here is uh, worse because it requires meter to do. And so... That one, I see why people react to it, and but the answer is, well, you have to down back a little bit more against this character because you know it's coming. And if it does come, you can punish him hard for it. Now, there is another level to this because of V-Trigger. We'll get to that later. That's part four. But as far as just the raw EX low rush, that's something that makes people upset, but it really shouldn't because there is a very clear answer to it. Okay, so example two, his flip kick, which I've had particularly, I've taken particular issue with because this is a move that's minus five, but he can space it away so that if you attempt to hit him, you whiff and he actually gets to hit you. And so it becomes something of a neutral poking tool that also removes his lower hitbox hurt boxes. So sometimes you're going just trying to poke him with one of your normals, and he happens to do this because he can from, from a specific distance, and it goes over your normal, hits you, and then if he's got level one or higher, he's or I'm sorry, if he's if he's leveled up one time or more, he's into the business. And that has left me feeling pretty salty, but going into the training mode and figuring out that, well, it's minus five, and if he does it from this distance, you don't get to push buttons. That's not new in Street Fighter V. Mm-hmm. You don't like it, well, whatever. It's part of the it's part of the thing. A lot of characters have stuff like that. Yeah, it's gonna add a little bit to the negativity and, and where it's gonna add a little bit against the character in my book, but it's not enough to say it's like really a huge issue that needs immediate attention. Right. Okay, so that's scenario or that's example number two. Example number three is actually tied into G's defense, which oftentimes is brought up as the single 
counterbalance to the fact that he's got this amazing offense. We've talked about this a little bit before. Brian F. Um, has, has spoken about it specifically on Twitter. But essentially, it's that his normals, him being a tall and lanky character, his normals, which are only four frames at, at their fastest, um, are actually very, very strong in this game, defensively speaking, because of their reach and the fact that they can translate or cancel into the uh, EX low rush or into the business. And the reason why this is so good on defense is because in this game, yes, G absolutely has to hold a wake-up situation. He can't wake up DP, and he doesn't have a three-frame to try to sneak um, some, some offense in. But after just a few attacks of a successful block, your character is pushed away from the defending character far enough that you now have to make a decision. If you want to continue your pressure in your offense, you have to walk forward a little bit, um, unless you're Bison and you can just psychoaxe your way back into the same situation. So this isn't every single <laughs> right, character, right. but many of them. What that looks like is, you know, the character wakes up, the uh, aggressive character against G will do a few moves. If G successfully blocks them, we enter this other mind game where they can still do like a heavy move but if they try to walk forward, G can stick out one of his very far-reaching light buttons and convert that into the business. And I think that is one of the worst offenders in terms of getting people emotionally charged about this character. Because to the unnuanced analysis, what you feel there from that situation is, I was still on offense, and that turned into G taking me across the entire stage and killing me. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair. I shouldn't have to deal with that. Now, that kind of stuff happens all the time in Street Fighter V, but G gets an especially big punish there. When it happens for him, it happens in a big way because with G, it seems like all roads lead to the business, which can really lead to wins in and of itself. Yeah, and, and I, I'll i just say that that's pretty much the case with G is because that's how dominant of an offensive character he is. Um, if he's in level one, it's not as good for sure. You know, and, and again, when he's on his back and defensive, like he's usually in level one because he's he's gotten beaten up to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, if he has V-Trigger, oh boy. Yeah, you're, you're in a really bad spot at that point well and that takes me to example number four which is v trigger one and i think that there are some legitimate problems here mm-hmm. with this because first of all he's while he's in v trigger he's at level three so any clip of anything whether that be a normal whether that be a crush a, a random counter hit from the neutral if he throws his orb really all you can do is sit and block it and let him position himself to be at advantage because if you try to jump over it or dash under it nine times out of ten you're getting clipped and that's converting into the business it's just from every angle he can he can you know convert stuff and then so your your options tend to be while he's in v trigger to just down back and wait the storm out but he's got a command grab which leads into the business so he's just crazy when he goes into v trigger and as far as the low ex rush punch goes he can cancel that into v trigger to make it not only safe but plus four so he gets a freebie there with that with that already really good and fast move that hits low and then if he doesn't use any of his v gauge while in v trigger he can actually do 
four more low rush punches and cancel them into fireballs. If any of those hit, he's going to translate it, of course, into the thing. But the fact that he could potentially do it four times is like, man, that seems like a bit much. Yep. And so I think that with all the emotional reactions, you can kind of write off the those first couple of instances without too much that that actually is still there to to argue against G with but once you get into this you know the situation where he's able to play defense as well as he is with these normals in that specific scenario that I was talking about that happens almost every single round of Street Fighter 5 um, save for maybe with a few characters that don't really operate that way and then here with V-Trigger it's like maybe this is kind of where you would correct the character. Um, I think this is where Capcom should maybe take him into account and and change things up a bit. So now let's say that he gets both of those changes, and you know his his defensive options are more limited. Like he doesn't get because uh, his lights you know can go into medium, and then as you say, go into the business, go into a combo that you know doesn't maybe necessarily corner you, but get you close enough where he's got Oki on you, and you really don't want to be you know facing G in that scenario. Um, mm-hmm. So we we dial those back, right? And then we dial back V Trigger One. Is he dead at that point as a character? Well, and you don't want to murder the character. So I don't think any drastic changes, and I don't think multiple different changes are probably the answer here. I think if you're going to change something, maybe it's his damage output on on the business, mm-hmm. or, or maybe it's his corner carry ability. But I would do one thing, okay, and and see if that changes. Because again, I don't. He's he probably isn't even top five. And a lot of this reaction to him is because of either people that haven't done enough research to say what they're saying with any kind of uh, authority, or it's that we're just reacting with our emotions and not, again, not really doing the research. So yes, I think there's a little bit of a problem, but I don't think it's as big as people are making it. Gotcha. So just to jump in here and, and, and add this, um, you know, food for thought, uh, we've been talking a lot about Smug and 801 Strider. Well, Smug mm-hmm. didn't even get top 32 here at um, April Annihilation. He was there. He actually got eliminated right before it. And, you know, it's the character is pretty inconsistent as he is right now. Um, you're not seeing G players just like completely dominate. You know, we saw them do very well at NCR. Um, but beyond that, like there's not a lot of people playing them. And as I mentioned before, the people who are playing them are often losing with them in tournament. Knuckle do brought him out, lost with them. I think K brought him out, lost with them. Um, like you're seeing a lot of that kind of happen. And I'm just like, Oh boy, I I'm scared to mess with the character too much. And I'll use an example very near and dear to my uh, anger. And that would be uh, Abigail. And uh, I'm well known for for just hating that character and just so much of, of what he was in season three. And the way I would have tweaked that character from the start of season three uh, changed dramatically until about the end of the year. You know, and it 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 it, it changed a lot. And and just my understanding of how he worked and what he needed. And listening to Dream King more often, I'm like, oh crap! Like and I'm really labbing the matchup and all that. Um, I knew we needed to be changed. I just didn't know how, you know, and that's important. Mm-hmm. It's like, we can tell Capcom, Hey, change this. But if we don't tell them how it's like, okay, well, thanks guys. You know, right. <laughs> well, I guess we'll just, you know, do the best we can again and we'll go from there. Uh, but I do agree with you that a huge thing that G has going against him is uh, I do think he is the biggest robbery character in season four. I don't know if that's necessarily from just an ability standpoint or if it's more a perception standpoint of people have not labbed him enough, but I do agree that like right now he is, if you ask most people like who the biggest robbery character is, I think you'll get the majority of them saying uh, that it's G right now. And again, it's hard to divorce the idea that a character is too strong and a character 
isn't fun to experience, right? right? And I think that G isn't necessarily too strong. Like like you said, he's he's not getting all that consistent of results, and, and he hasn't really won any tournaments yet. Nemo, who you'd think, like as crazy as of a, of a player that, that he is, someone as chaotic and marvely and all over the place as G, oh my gosh, I was terrified at the idea of G in Nemo's hands, and yet he really wasn't able to get anything to work with him. Mm-hmm. And I think he's pretty much gone back to Urien full-time, as far as I, as far as I understand it now. So, yes, the character hasn't really gotten all the results that you would expect if he were quite as strong as people are making him out to be. Now, so so that's why I kind of changed the focus from is he too strong to is he just not pleasant to play against? Mm-hmm. Is he taking away from the experience that people are pursuing when they sit down to play a fighting game? If that's the case, then you go from there and you go, well, how much of that is people not doing their homework and how much of it is, is legitimate? And my kind of conclusion as I've dug through this is there's a good portion of it that people aren't doing their research, but there is something left at the bottom when you burn all that chaff. There is a little bit left at the bottom that I think Capcom could look at, but again, even if they don't touch the game from here on out, I think that we'd, we'd be okay. Yeah, and I'll, I'll pick on here a little bit because he put the opinion out and he put the video out. And I'll just say that MDZ Jimmy said that that G is balanced by his poor defense. And he makes the case that there's no such thing as a character with good defense in Street Fighter V. And I get that, but it's not a nuanced point of view. And the basis for that argument is, I, I get it, but... It's like saying that because offense is so dominant in Street Fighter V, it doesn't really matter how good your offense is in the game. And it's like, no, it matters. It matters how much, like, if you've got a, a 10 or a 10 or an 11 out of 10 for offense, that matters. And, and I get it. Like, you know, defense is very much, like, dialed back in this game. But it matters if you're a 1 out of 10 defensively or if you're a 3 out of 10. Like, there's a pretty big difference there in this game. Uh, it, it it matters. So that's the kind of stuff I'm seeing a lot right now with, with G. And that's what kind of worries me. And it it bothers me that people aren't taking more time to dissect the character, as you've mentioned, and say, this is what really is going on. And, and how do we really need to unpack this character and make him more in line with everything and not remove him from the game? Again, that goes mm-hmm. back to the argument I had about Dragon Ball Fighters, right? It's like, well, why are you having this character in the game if no one can even use them, right? It, it, at that point, you're like, you might as well have a blank roster spot there and not have anyone because you, you've wasted your resources of your development team. You've wasted the community's time because no one can play the character except for like, you know, five people. And at that point you're like, okay, great. Like five people are going to enjoy a character that we've intended for, you know, tens or hundreds or you know, hundreds of thousands or a million people or however many people out there. Um, it's a big deal, you know, and, and it's just it's unfortunate to see. And that's why I don't want to see G obliterated. Uh, he's just now getting that chance to go. And I, I think we're both pretty much on the same page there. Um, it's just I, I wanted to illustrate a little bit of some of the things that we're seeing. At this point, as I've expressed, it's Street Fighter V is at a digestible level. And I'm happy for that because it hasn't been at a digestible level in a lot of ways since it, it started. And so I'm more of like, I'll take what I can get. It's pretty damn good right now. Let's just play it. And um, and yeah, I mean, I, I had fun on Saturday. I got to play in my locals and uh, Reedman, who shout outs to, to Reedman for really leveling up his G. He got all the way to grand finals and it was a very hard fought three to two reset and then three to two in losers for, for me to take it. But, but um, the character is is very divisive right now you know people that take one side or the other doesn't really matter i just i just encourage you to do your research and to figure things out and then come forward with what you have after that 
So next up here, we have Chris Tatarian, who put out a matchup chart for Kin. And reading through his matchup tiers and all that, it's not, you know, firmly based here in terms of, of, of like, Kin is in the 20 range. But if you, you add up everything, it puts him right around the 20, 22 range in terms of the tiers out of 35 characters, which is, you know, it, it's not great. And I wondered, you know, kind of first off with what you're seeing with Ken, like, do you agree with this? And is this, yeah, is it matching up with what you're seeing? Ken is, Ken is similar to Nikali in this particular avenue of it's very hard to be consistent. He can roll over characters. He can roll over the best characters in the game sometimes. But a lot of that is just when the stars align, when the offense, the offensive choices were correct. And he, a lot of those choices come down to like 50-50. Either what I did was right or it was wrong. If it was right, I get to continue my offense. And if it was wrong, you get to hit the crap out of me. Mm -hmm. And so when you're a character that operates with that more than other characters that have more um, either coverall kind of situations or or they just thrive better at, at the, the more regular kind of scenarios that pop up in the game, you're, you're never going to get very far out of mid-tier. And I think that's pretty much where Ken falls. I think that as far as placing him specifically, I mean, I, I don't play the character, so my voice here isn't going to be as you know nuanced as someone like Chris who's been playing him and playing him at an incredibly high level, taking the character ultimately to Capcom Cup, mm -hmm. you know. But I, I feel like he's probably lumped in there where he could be the top or the bottom of the mid-tier on any given Sunday. Mm -hmm. And that's just because of his general design. To quote Tatarian here, actually, what he said is he added that King can still rob people in season four. Uh, he's good, but his nerfs and his, the failure of Capcom to acknowledge and fix his inconsistent combos were too much for him to, as you say, get consistent tournament placings. Um, I wanted to make this matchup chart uh, after giving him some time. And I was actually very thrilled to see like how he went about this. It's very clear. Uh, Tatarian gets a lot of crap from people, but he's clearly a talented and, and knowledgeable player. And and I just to me, like jumping out at me like right from the get-go is how many people have migrated to Akuma from Kin. And, and it's just how little you're seeing the character. And I, I honestly wonder if more people have migrated off of Kin um, uh, than did in season one. Like in season one, he, he was a pretty decent character. And now I'm hardly ever seeing him. Um, and, and I again, it doesn't mean that the character is like this is tournament level, right? So you have to play pretty top-end characters to, to get by, usually. Um, but just the fact I'm seeing people really migrate away from it's it's quite disappointing. And, and I mean, especially just given how popular of a character Ken is, right? This is like, you know, the secondary poster boy in Street Fighter, whatever, you know. I know, like, mm -hmm. Akuma Ken, somewhere around there. He's, he's really close to the top of the popularity charts, like, all always. And the fact that very few people are playing him in tournament now, I think is very indicative of what kind of character he has become. It's sad. Like I like Ken. I like his design in Street Fighter V, not the visual stuff so not much. As a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like how he runs at you and stuff. And I'm like, that's Ken. Like they've done such a good job implementing him. He's just not very good. And it's like, ah, oh, damn, you know? Yeah. Well, who's the Ken that, that has had the best results this year? I, I, I feel like the answer is Cerroblast. Yeah. And and that's kind of how you have to play Ken in order to have a chance at getting results. But it's very much an all or nothing, just keep shooting from half court sort of ordeal because, you know, sometimes you DP on their wake up 
and it's and you go well but sometimes that's really bad and you're like yeah a lot of times that's really bad but hey if you want to win with ken those are the kind of calls you're gonna have to make and just hope that they go in your favor and so i have to share do. a really quick example but sarah blast was running over someone in tournament and i, I try to remember who it was um but it was a good player and it was like you know towards like problem x he recently played i think at final round it was i'm not yeah. sure I, yeah but this was uh, at april annihilation and so he had someone uh he was you know running after him and doing you know the ken oki pressure and the person is getting up off the ground and and Cerroblast has Oki pressure and he does an EX dragon punch on their wake up and it hits him and he wins. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I was oh my who uh, who does that and yet the Cerroblast does it of course he wins and he you know he goes oh it's but like the just an encapsulation of what you were talking about right there was like so perfect and I I just remember that moment in tournament and just like shaking my head going what the hell is going on Cerroblast I love you you are the best like kin player alive and please don't ever change. <laughs> right. And but of course you can see how if you're someone like Chris who is, you know, Capcom yeah. Cup level player and trying to make things work and and trying to legitimately win with consistency that this character really isn't going to work and it's not going to get the job done. We haven't seen players like Momochi, Chris T, um I mean uh, Big Bird or is it Angry Bird? I don't know. I get them confused Big Bird, all the time. That, that plays Big Bird plays Ken. Yeah, you switched to Rashid. Sorry, I should clarify. Yeah. Right. But none of these these really strong players have been able to make the character work with any semblance of consistency. And so, well, I mean, we haven't. I don't think we've seen Chris at any of the Pro Tour events this far this year. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that he didn't go to NCR. And uh, I don't believe I saw him at final round on the, on the you know the results pages and such. So I don't know if he's in that character crisis and just hasn't made you know migrated to another full time character. I know he plays a lot of other characters uh, competently already, mm-hmm. but I, I'm not sure. So it's, it's it'll be interesting to see what what comes of this uh, for the Ken players and and but yeah yeah I'll, I'll quickly run through that that Ken loses according to Chris's matchup chart, which looks pretty darn accurate to me to players like uh, Karen Akuma Rashid. Um, Guile, M. Bison, Kami, Ibuki, pretty much a who's who of top tiers. And, and uh, Birdie's in there if I didn't mention him as well. Um, mm-hmm. And that's rough. Like at that point, when you have pretty consistent losing matchups to the top tier characters like you're decidedly mid-tier and and like right now again he he only has advantage um against one two three four five six about eight characters and mm-hmm. and and they're bottom of the mostly bottom of the barrel characters. mostly bottom of the barrel yeah and that's it, just it's pretty rough and, and again I, I i i said this before but i'll say it again it's just when people are migrating off your character like takamura who's a very strong kim player from previous previous seasons um he's gone completely to akuma full-time i believe and he's a, a cpt level very quality tournament level player um it, it, it speaks to my my argument of like when characters are that dominant when you have an akuma when you have an rashid it just it discourages variety to this point where, where even character loyalists are having a tough time justifying you know doing this and, and people you know at home might be like well you know why doesn't chris Tarian just you know you know pick akuma you know or like you know you can play akuma like he doesn't have to play ken and all that there's a loyalty factor um they have sponsors to appease they have to get results all this kind of stuff like it's not just it's not just like me you know to simplify this a little bit more it's not like just me like pl- wanting to play rose i don't have to worry about tournament placings i i want to worry about you know learning the meta of the game i want to you know worry about talking to you know uh the fans of the site all that kind of stuff like that's my thing like i don't have to earn money or do well at street fighter these other players do there's a lot of factors that go into it for these players and and that's why it's disappointing to me to see too good of characters that we know are too good and it's just it's one of the other reasons all right so moving along here we also have armika and 
This is interesting here because we, we did just see uh, Armika do pretty well here at April Annihilation. Um, you know, the most uh, infamous uh, Armika player is Fudo, who's kind of switched his main. No, I, I would say actually flat out. He has switched his main from from um, Mika to Birdie. Uh, but El Chacote did very good with Mika. Uh, Knuckle Dew played her as a secondary. But what I'm getting at here is... This character got almost no changes whatsoever. Literally, in the developer notes, it says that Mika has been slightly weakened from general adjustments, but um, as there aren't any other major changes, she can be played about the same as before. And I looked at that and said, okay, why is Mika like less popular and doing not as well as she used to? Like, What has happened in Street Fighter that has made Mika worse? And the biggest answer I come back to here is footsies footsies and whiff punishing and and yeah. i'll go back to to luffy here um who i have a tremendous amount of respect for as a player uh you know he he won evo with rose which of course wins a lot of points with me but again <laughs> um if as a as a rose player and a, you know a fairly decent one back in the day um I had an appreciation and understanding for what he was doing. He was doing hit confirms off of Rose's crouching medium punch into drill, uh, much like Punk is doing from crouching medium kick into um, you know uh, Tenko. Very like precise and hardcore confirms you had. He was doing like just on a you know regular basis on a PS1 pad. You know, hey. Um, but anyway, um, he has uh, signaled out or uh, singled out, I should say, Mika as being ran. Uh, Karen as being uh, random and lame because of, of that crouching medium kick, and and, and, and I'm like, really, like. Of all like of all things to call out, like you're calling out like a, a, a fundamentally footsie strong character and Karen and you're calling out her crouching medium kick confirms that are really hard to do, you know, relatively speaking. And, and that I think speaks to me again. It goes back to the footsies of the game. Like I don't think I think Luffy might just be a little bit off base on this one and that he is footsies have overtaken Street Fighter V in a way they've never have in this game's lifespan. You know, and and it's kind of a shock to the senses, especially if you play a character like Mika. And now I think she is less of a character than she ever probably has been before. And she got almost no changes. Almost nothing happened to her. Yet worse results, worse performance. What the hell? And, and so, well, because yeah. she, she thrived on advances that were not safe but certainly worked out in the realm of, well, I can't react as well because there's eight to six to eight frames of, of lag and that's inconsistent, right? Because it would fluctuate. And in that kind of an environment, a character that's, you know, she was either gonna she was either gonna do her slide and if you block that, it's everything that she tried to do to get in was punishable outside of like patient footsie and counter hit and whiff punishing that you saw a little more from Fudo. But even then, um, you know, she might jump forward and then cut the jump short and splash and try to get you to DP, uh, or she might use her V trigger to get close. But now, you know, players are having to play a little more honest in their approach. And I think there are few characters, if any, that would be feeling that as hard as Armika. Because she's still an absolute beast if she gets up in your face. You know, her mix-ups, especially in the corner, and if she's got V-Trigger, one or two, it's like, well, you pretty much pieced out. And that's why I think that still none of us see Mika pop up against us and go, oh, good, it's just a Mika. We're always like, oh, crap, all right, all right, all right. Let's let's figure this out, like, one step at a time. Got to keep her out. But, you, I mean, I, I guess I can't speak for everyone, but it feels like no one's happy to play against a Mika. It's no free wins there. Mm -hmm. But it's also very doable, and you kind of know what you have to do there, and that's just keep her the heck away. And that's much more of a reality here with, you know, it, she might be trying to gimmick her way in with, you know, a uh, uh, drop kick versus charged versus quick, stuff like that. 
but none of it's really honest. And you're seeing characters that can't play honestly. I mean, not really, not really get the results anymore. Yeah, I mean, and there's exceptions, right? You know, Rashid does not play necessarily like he just he's able to do what he wants to i don't necessarily think it's dishonest of him he just has a lot of tools for everything um right and 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 yeah i mean i agree and and you're starting to wonder like okay has this game really shifted and it takes a while for people to grasp onto a new meta of a game right it's not just that you know capcom changes everything and these years of, of practice and approach go away and they're all you know gigantically different but if you look down the patch list, you'll see it like all over the place that like Capcom added like, you know, a three additional frames of, you know, whiff punishing are now available on Urian standing heavy punch or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that was up and down the list. And, and and now you're seeing that you're going, hey, wait a second. Like I need to do that more. Now I also have one or two frames less of input delay to work with to get those punishes out there. And then you see people like Punk out there. And, and I, I just I wonder if not necessarily maybe snuck up on us, but I wonder if there isn't enough of an appreciation for how this game has evolved right now. And I'm kind of using Mika as like a poster child of that because she's been one of the most successful characters in all of Street Fighter V, right? I mean, it's it's mm. pretty much been since season one onwards. She's been great. Like, at, at, I mean, I think at the worst case scenario has been maybe mid-tier, but I don't even know if she's ever been that. She's been really good. And, and she hasn't completely fallen off the map, but she's decidedly worse it feels like right now and 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 so has the game just kind of sneakily evolved under our feet oh absolutely it used to be that hey throw all the jacks and everything up in the air and see what happens when they come down because even if it doesn't go in your favor this time if it does next time it more than makes up for it Mm -hmm. especially with armika i don't know if there was anyone that was that was more true for Mm -hmm. and that's just that isn't the meta anymore that's not enough of a significant part of the meta for a character like that to thrive and so i think you're absolutely right and she's a good example where you can see you know her results and how people were feeling about her almost any other time in the game's life versus how they're feeling about her now um, I think it's night and day in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it's just crazy. It's in it, coming to this realization, like, you know, watching all the tournaments and stuff, it's it, this stuff sneaks up, up on us too. You know, we're playing it, we're talking about it, but you have a baseline of expectations with these games. We put in so much time and so much work on them. And, and this stuff can really kind of catch you by surprise where you don't see it coming. And, and I'll go back to the smash example of, of King DDD and, and uh, Pac-Man. There's a lot of stuff hidden there hidden in plain sight that is very much worth exploring and and you'd be shocked sometimes how much the stuff evolves kind of underneath our nose and, and it's cool to it's cool to see it you know it's cool to see more of a i don't want to call street fighter 5 so much a return to form here because i, I you know you and i were just talking about how it's like the most marvel street fighter game probably ever made right um <laughs> But there, there's more of that that classic Street Fighter kind of bleeding back into Street Fighter Five, and it's good to see it, and, and it's nice to see more of the return of the return of the king. There we go. So, all right, y'all, thank you so much for listening to this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Uh, we've actually been getting some feedback here uh, from the community, and more people kind of checking us out. And you know, um, uh, John was mentioning that someone you know came out and said, "Hey, you guys are like encouraging me to work out more often because I I know I get to listen to the podcast. Like, you know, uh, when I go to do that, or when I take my commute, or uh, in the comments, you know, we're seeing people say like, "Hey, uh, the the pod's out. Like, I'm gonna have a better work day today, and all that kind of stuff like that." Really is so phenomenal for us to hear. And it's a huge reason why we started this. You know, we wanted something that is a little bit different than, you know, event hubs proper and a way to, you know, discuss things in long form and get them out there. Um, so 
anyway, just a, a big shout out to everyone who's left feedback about the pod. Um, we really appreciate it, and, and it goes a long way for both of us. So yeah, I wanted to give a special shout outs to uh, to Muji, Jelani, Ethan, and and Bujo for all having something to say about the the podcast to me. Um, and these are all guys from kind of my home scene here, so it means a lot coming from you guys that that you would be listening and i assume that's kind of representative of what's going on around you know in other scenes too and so this has been very fun so far we're looking forward to many more episodes but thank you guys whenever you know we get a shout out and such it really means a lot yeah you'd think our hearts have made a stone from working on event hubs all these years but we still actually have hearts in there somewhere they're just you know they're there somewhere but yeah <laughs> all right y'all thank you again and we'll catch you guys soon adios